We've decided to stop being goofy idiots and follow the example of Andrew Adonis, a responsible and, and, and sensible uh, labor peer. Very sensible. The most ripped mm-hmm. lord of all. And I, I think it was really cool how when he listed the best British politicians of the last century, he put Winston Churchill, a genocidal conservative, on, on top of the list. My, my uh, favorite bit of the list is how, you know, and th- this is pure centrism to me, putting a king at the end of your list of the top 10, poli- uh, your top 10 politicians just to prove how open-minded and tolerant you are. I was just upset that the king wasn't Ethelred the Unready. That's, <laughs> that's, that guy's my boy. If you're, listing, if you're listing top British politicians, Ethelred the Unready always. Edward the Confessor, okay, maybe on a Tuesday, no, but I you pre- know, not. I prefer Canute because uh, that guy actually literally was, that guy was such a sort of like, like masculine powerhouse that he literally fought the ocean. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, hell yeah. The important thing is, though, that he's reaching out to the king demographic, which, of course, comprises a lot of crucial swing voters. <laughs> but the, hang on, it was actually, the guy, the guy who fought the, the, the ocean, his name was actually Knut. But if it was Canute, that would be like his way of winning the ocean by just using a canoe. That <laughs> when is where you the name cannot, canoe but she comes keeps from. on sucking. <laughs> when, you, when, you se- when you send your soldiers to the shore, but the waves nonetheless crash. Anyway, <laughs> when the no- when those Normans invade. <laughs> well, now, now we're now we're branching into Caligula territory, like getting your soldiers to attack the sea. No, that's what Canute did. <laughs> no, didn't he just sit in front of the ocean and try to hold it back with his will? I don't think he used soldiers. I mean, look, these are all good ideas, and they all should be debated by a responsible Labour Party, as opposed to Corbyn, who's in cloud cuckoo land. Hey, was it Caligula who made uh, his horse a senator? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we should replace Andrew Adonis in the Lords with a horse, personally. <laughs> with a really jacked horse. <laughs> but the House of Lords just develops a new kind of cat epidemic. So oh, a, a different one. As a, yeah. was it, wasn't there one guy who was like just constantly texting about cat? Oh, probably, yeah. The Lords are a depraved and decadent place. There was someone in British politics, I think he was the I think he was like like involved with the co-op somehow. Yeah. Who was basically just like <laughs> just just constantly just te- just WhatsApping about Ket and then it all got leaked. Oh dear. I'm just imagining like a horse on Ket in the House of Lords just being like, Ooh, anyone oh, else yeah. got any Ket? Man trying to get tranquil as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is it? He's also said John Major. Uh, is one of the best British politicians of the last century. The highest ranking politicians uh, of the I mean, last century. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that Winston Churchill and, and things like Winston Churchill and Tony Blair are only the best in terms of their combined KD ratio. John Major is our only field grade prime minister. <laughs> I mean, yeah, say what you will about John Major, but he was one of the two British prime ministers of the 90s. <laughs> That's an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> oh, I guess three, actually, because Thatcher was, yeah, briefly oh, in yeah, 1990. Cameo, cameo role. Fucked up, yeah. <laughs> Personally, I think that the, the other best British politicians of the last century have, uh, of course, included uh, you know Jimmy Seville, uh, Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget, <laughs> Nigel Thornberry. Uh, don't let's not let's not, of course, forget uh, the, the wonderful turn of Scar from The Lion King as, oh, yeah. as the Speaker of the House. Okay, I mean, guys, Adonis, okay. thank you. Top top three top three British politicians of all time. It's got to be um, uh, Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> Uh, Tommy Robinson and Skeletor. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously got to go with uh, Dumbledore, number one. Number two, have to go with Derek Hatton. No, no, number three. That, those two are yeah, enough. No, no. What do you do? You need more. <laughs> I don't know who that last one is. Yeah, so I don't me, know who that last one. one is either. Militant tendency. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck yes. He's, he's not. He's not that good. All right, all right. <laughs> Nate, Nate, any politicians? Well, I mean, I just always have a f- soft spot for Radigan from Disney's The Great Mouse Detective. I figure he's British, right? And that must count in some capacity. I mean, he did actually <laughs> rule England at some point in the cartoon movie. <laughs> he was between Connaught and Ethelred the Unready. That was his... 
No, it's like it's like like, like and, Andrew Andrew Adonis is like he's he's for a labor leader it would make it makes about as much sense to list like which of the Game of Thrones characters you think would best rule the UK as it does to tweet this list. <laughs> I see. Crazy from wrong. He, so Thatcher's not on the list, but the King is, uh, and John Major is. That what sense does that make? I um, I think Thatcher had a much better um, grasp of hegemony than John Major or indeed most kings. I notice he's also got a certified dog murderer, Michael Heseltine, on there. <laughs> I mean, Andrew... <laughs> like, is that when you're qualified to murder dogs? Like, <laughs> yeah. so you're murdering dogs without a license? <laughs> <laughs> Surrender I, I guess the immediately. Point that is just more like, so you hate Thatcher because you're supposed to hate Thatcher because you're a, a, ostensibly a labor politician, but... But you can't look at that and say she wasn't effective. She might have been effective at like fucking, you know, making the sun freeze and turn into a ball of ice. But she still was effective as opposed to John Major, uh, famous for watching a slow motion crash of the pound and just be like, well, it's going to happen. But we just can't do anything about it. (laughs) Thatcher is like the Cristiano Ronaldo of politics. Like the things she does are terrible and everyone hates it. But by God, is she effective at doing politics? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, that's why they're sort of compared. You know, there's various articles now comparing Corbyn and McDonald to Thatcher because they're uh, sort of, you know, taking the narrative in their direction. Oh, who was? Yeah, it's the it was Rob, Robert Colville and Toby Young were doing their like tall, slender uh, planning villain and short, fat, horny villain thing to the next level. <laughs> just like re- oh, yeah. just retweeting one another. Um, Wait, how did Toby Young not make it into the top 10? That's, that's the <laughs> <laughs> Why Toby Young should be in the top 10 greatest politicians of all time by Toby Young. <laughs> but, but, but that week that he was in, like, the what was it, the office for students or whatever, yeah. he fucking killed it, man. Yeah, he changed, he, he changed it all. He brought free speech back to British universities, which is great because now all of uh, everyone's tutorials get to be taught by Tommy Robinson. <laughs> no, it's that it's the, he's, he's, he said um, uh, there's basically it's like, uh, yeah, Thatcher, Thatcher br- um, brought only ownership to of public services to Brit to Britain and McDonald's actually just copying them and they and it's like okay you're saying just there's no difference between labor and capital basically these are the same to them and like they they, they look at a at a fucking spinning jenny or a loom and are like ah good work sir the important thing is someone owns it that's the main thing. Yeah, the state, the capital, some dudes. Some dudes in a van. I don't care, but someone owns it. You know, you can't have it just freewheeling out there, just running around. No, you can't let the looms be in charge. Free-range looms? It's madness. <laughs> oh, that's weird. How is he? He's got that long gap, and then just at the end of the tweet where no one's going to notice, he's got Harold Shipman. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. I mean, no one knows what those people Harold Shipman murdered were like. Well, I mean, some people presumably know. Maybe they were bad dudes. <laughs> Welcome back to Trash Future, the podcast for how the present is actually currently pretty good because we're on the road to deselecting Chris Leslie. <laughs> my name is Riley. Hello. How are you doing? I'm here joined by Milo. Hi, it's me, Milo, uh, at Milo underscore Edwards on Twitter. Um, I'm still here. We're still talking about people who I don't know who they are, but it's all good. <laughs> Nate on the phone lines. King producer, Hello, you- king content. Hi, this is Nate at In These Deserts on Twitter, the producer and sometimes co-host uh, all as well. Uh, haven't been deported yet, so I, I count that as a win or a loss for Britain. One way or the other, we'll find out. And we are we are joined by returning champion Jack Frayne Reed, uh, host of Real Politic, also a podcast to which we are often compared. <laughs> hey, man, good to be here. Love to be compared. 
Yeah, favorably, unfavorably, who gives a fuck? Yeah, I, I think if I were you guys, I would be very flattered. Well, that, that that's a very that's a very nice thing to say, but you're about to hear an unedited episode in real life, so that comparison might dim after the end of the recording session. <laughs> you hear the finished product, which Riley can tell you is agonized over. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, which podcast is better? We're gonna have to turn it over to the Meerkats. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so um, we are nice. we are. We are here. I don't know if that's what they sound like. They're supposed to, they're supposed to sound Russian, right? Because they're, 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 they're Russians who have snuck into the UK and are destabilizing our, are destabilizing our insurance markets by, uh, by undercutting the prices the of the tiny British holes. competitors. They live in the ground in Salisbury. The tiny, tiny holes. <laughs> Your British MI5 will never find us in these very small holes. They're too large to fit into the holes to chase us. It's getting more and more New York Jew the longer I go on with it. Like, <laughs> I are the same of the holes we used to live in when you were a boy. I just hacked Chris Leslie's WhatsApp. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not. It's no, it's not his. The Tories, isn't the it? The Tories one. I had just sent Paul Stans a dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna. We're definitely. We're gonna. We're gonna go into that one on next week's when we do our conference rundown. <laughs> yeah, sorry, my bad. You know, Chris Leslie Tories yeah. easy to get. Yeah, no, well, I mean, mm. some. I mean, one of the worst. The some of the worst bullying allegations of all are that maybe Chris Leslie might want to join those that so, current social club. <laughs> um, oh, so we. So we are. We are on the Chris Leslie deselection special. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted to, uh, and again. To our British audience, they'll know who this is. But to our American audience, I feel like I'm getting to introduce to you a brand new character out of the firmament. Um, he is firmament. Britain's Britain's maddest, drunkest restaurant critic, Giles Corin. Hell yes. Who spent the last 24 hours having one of the most regular days anyone has ever had. Can you think of a more generic name for a restaurant critic than Giles Corin? It is like one that was like just generated by one of those like random sentence generators. Like your restaurant critic will be called Giles Corin. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, he's he's like I, I I think he's sort of comparable to like John Podoretz in that he's sort of ostensibly a cultural critic, but sort of gets a lot more into all of his like individualized and sort of insane grievances with sort of every element of culture that doesn't immediately kind of bend his will. Wait, who's John Podoritz? Should, you should specify that much like John Podoritz, he also is the son of someone more famous and talented who just happens to be a cultural somebody because. The difference is, <laughs> the difference is Norman Podoritz was like, was like one of probably the sort of most shit shitty neocons of that entire movement. Norman Norman Pedoritz, the man with the surname you can't spell. So wait, so wait, who is who? Who is the younger Pedoritz, and who is Giles Corrin's dad? Pedoritz the younger. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who was Giles Corrin's dad? Giles Corrin's dad was a humorist. I think like he was somebody that was pretty big on on TV in the sixties and seventies. I, I, I recognize it only because in his very normal and completely sane Twitter exchange, uh, he was called out by someone who knew his father, to which he responded by calling that guy a pedophile, basically, and saying that his dad told him he fucked kids, as was one that? does when one of your parents' friends says, maybe you should stop drinking and being on Twitter. It's very Star yeah. Wars, isn't it? It's like, if your father could see you now, well, you would be most is, disappointed. It's like, but, my father saw you as a pedophile. He had, he had, a, he had this furious exchange with, with a guy called Michael White on Twitter, where they ended up calling each other pedophiles back and forth, and then Giles <laughs> Corrin said, yo, dude, you're fucking lucky you made me look like a bitch online, which is kind of my job, yeah. uh, or else I would have <laughs> 
last few. <laughs> yeah. Whom among us has not enjoyed so, so, a game of pedophiles that has gone I'm, out I'm gonna, of hand? I'm going to jump in and pretend that I know anything about this. I'm just reading off Wikipedia, but I guess he was the guy who hosted the news quiz and Call My Bluff on BBC. That was his dad and Alan Corrin. Well, we are, uh, we are certainly calling Giles Corrin's bluff. Yes. When we ask him to please come over to our house and stab us like he threatened to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so essentially... Uh, he, this sort of stemmed from him writing an article in the Sunday Times where, here's the thing, that's, over the course, like this is, that Twitter exchange and this article is like the literary products of, uh, of that feel like they're the result of binge drinking. Like this, this is someone who is clearly drunk for a long enough period of time that they wrote the most insane article entitled Megan has slammed the door on my manhood, which God, I, I, that's, that's so coded, right? Don't keep it in the doorway, Giles. <laughs> what are you what doing, was it man? doing there? Standing, standing in the door jam with an erection. What's going on? And then having a sort of extremely, extremely sort of like high strung shouting match on Twitter where you just call each other pedophiles and then make sort of a lot of physical threats before like passing out in the bathtub. So Michael oh, yes, White was calling process. him a pedophile as well. I think they were calling one another pedophiles. Yeah. Well, Giles Corn does have the long Twitter history of him basically talking about, well, I've reached a stage in my life when I can't try to fuck teenage girls all the time anymore. And like, he's got multiple tweets over years where he sort of made the same joke. And while it might be a joke, it like, in light of this sort of accusations that he's throwing out, it just seems like, dude, for someone who wants to call people pedophiles, you, you talk a lot about fucking underage girls a lot. So what, I don't know who Michael White is, but judging from in his sort of like Twitter profile picture, he looks like um, like a sort of a- aging butler. I, and so that gave the whole timbre <laughs> of this discussion the kind of tone of like a young wealthy heir who drunkenly has a fight with his own butler who's trying to stop him from disgracing himself at the ball. And he's like, but sir, I must protest. You simply can't call the young ladies here by that sort of name. And he's like, oh, get away with me, you old pedo. Well, and Michael White is a former political editor for The Guardian. Uh, he now is retired and I think writes for the New European, which is where all the bad liberal journalists go to die. And <laughs> he, uh, yeah, but but I actually thought that uh, Giles Corrin had, uh, among some other points, uh, a quite a good point that Michael White does look a little bit like the top half of Davros from Doctor Who. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Well, it's worth saying, and the tweets are still out there, so this isn't my allegation. Michael White was accused last year of um, sexually harassing female journalists. Um yeah, Giles Corrin suggested Mike, that um, Michael White is uh, is a sex pest, <laughs> um, and then um, well, he specifically says when so when when Michael White you know said your late father would be disappointed or something to that effect, his response was, "Oh yeah, well my dad said that you like to fondle children." <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. they they invoked the lineage quite strongly in that mm. argument. So yeah. This is, it's identity politics for sex pests. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He said that you were fond of children, <laughs> <laughs> which is basically the same. Uh, but like, and but the thing is, what we're really I think getting getting at with this as well is, um, is Giles Corrin is. Jizz Corrin, old old Jizzy Corrin, um, is essentially sort of his 
his sort of his whole sort of presence in the Sunday Times has basically been to say that like um, the Me Too movement has gone too far, more or less. So his last article was suggesting that he's going to get fired for putting a kiss on the end of a text. The article before that was just, well, it's all over for all men in the media now that we can all be accused of anything. I, I think um, it's not texts, but I definitely think we should make kisses on the end of tweets illegal so that we can arrest that weird Tory who pretends to be Basil Brush. <laughs> Your, no, your know knowledge of all this shit is so deep Niche and knowledge, is yeah. weirdly deep. Too online, man. Um, you, you are the realist head. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. So in, in the context of, of the, basically that's who this guy is, he's one of these like shitty media guys who is sort of you know, tweeting that all this, all this like, you know, ah, dames, there's some, da, da, the dames can make up anything these days about every person. <laughs> the broads. Yeah. It's like, one of the, it, it's, oh, it's like these, well. Other words Giles Corrin wouldn't actually use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what else do they call women in the 1940s? Yeah, it's the, it's the, Specifically in America as yeah. well, not even in the UK. <laughs> Just having a bottle of hooch. So what, what, he, what he has I written... I think he had had a bottle of hooch, to be fair, before he wrote this. Because you can't actually talk about people as posh as Giles Corrin in terms of binge drinking, they, because they are just permanently drunk. Like they, they, <laughs> they start drinking at like 10 or 11 in the morning with a sort of gin and tonic, and then they're through to like kind of Dubonnet and Brandy by about 4pm. And then they write their Sunday <laughs> Times column where they suggest that they're going to get... Get arrested for saying, all right, darling. Yeah. yeah. This is what we said earlier, right? So that Giles Corrin is a man who just used to write like moderately amusing columns about just random shit, right? But now he's gotten to a point where like being a columnist for so long has driven him insane. And like he has nothing left to be Giles Corrin about. So he's like kind of grasping at straws as he falls <laughs> into the abyss. And every week he has to find a thing to be Giles Corrin about. Yeah. And this week it was who should close the car door? And it's like, no one except you has ever thought about this, Giles. <laughs> no, it's not even that, like, I find his take on it, like, offensive. It's just like, no one cares. Like, no one cares who closes the door, Giles. So, um, Corin's article, uh, again, Megan has slammed the door on my manhood. I'm sure reje- rejected versions include Megan has stomped on my nuts with her stiletto heel. <laughs> Um, uh, all of the women in my life, you just use me as a footstool. Um, <laughs> turns me the fuck on. And, Quit busting my balls, Megan, you gabagool. And, and uh, don't forget, don't forget, um, um, my wife doesn't let me drink tea. Instead, she just pees in the kettle and makes me drink it. <laughs> at least it's sterile that way. <laughs> um, boil the piss first. So, Corin uh, writes, oh my actual God, she shut the door herself. Did you see it? I've seen it maybe 300 times. I spent most of Wednesday watching it over and over again on the internet. Something I have Very not normal. done with a piece of news footage since, I don't know, 9-11 or something. So I, I love that these are like the two things that Giles Corrin has watched over and over again on the internet. <laughs> the footage of 9-11 and the footage of Meghan Markle closing a car door by herself. Both of which, even independently, are the actions of a deeply insane individual. (laughs) (laughs) But when taken together, are almost enough for a diagnosis. If you pause the recording of her closing the door right here, you can see George Bush (laughs) 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 poking his head out from around the back of the car. It is truly horrific. If you're going to watch it, then make sure the kids are in bed. What happens is you see this beautiful black jaguar, I happen to drive one myself, roll around. That's, very- well, that's my favorite bit of the article. Yeah. It's just like, it's just a casual, just like, I'm going to drive a jaguar, ladies. Mm. <laughs> if you want me to close the door of a nice car for you. 
He then says, uh, the near, nearest, the near side rear door is opened by a large bald man in a gray suit and outsteps, Ma- and outsteps Meghan Markle. She's wearing this black Givenchy dress with very sheer sleeves. There's a gentle breeze that blows some of her strands of hair askew, which she tucks them back behind her right ear. Did I mention that I bumped into her at a party last weekend? I think I did in my notebook column here on Tuesday. Again, too drunk to remember what he's written. Um, That's Piers Morgan. So when I speak of her radiance, I know wherever I speak. She was wearing a green dress that night. Her skin glowed like apricots. So basically what this is, is this is the boring chapters of American Psycho. That have, are being <laughs> that where he just describes brands, um, but like read through a rolled up spectator. <laughs> yeah. The next bit is just like I am not really here. I have no soul. I hate myself. <laughs> and now I'm going to talk about Genesis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Phil Collins started out. I love, the, I love the like the weird dad like touches though, like saying like as she exited the near side rear door of the car. Like it's a classic that that dad thing where like you have to talk about a car in incredibly technical terms. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. see, that would be the ABS system messing up there. So. I think, you know, he just wishes he was like that other has contrarian opinions to a deadline, uh, Jeremy Clarkson. I think that's that's the life he aspires to. So he's like, I'll just work in a little bit of car material and see, <laughs> see if uh, the BBC notice. So... <laughs> So he says, Megan deftly switches her little black and gold clutch from her left to her right hand, reaches out that slender left arm. Remember the title of the piece. Remember the title of the piece. And remember that he's probably writing this with a gigantic boner. Well, no, because it's been slammed in a door. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just in a, like, it's at most half the size it used to be. It's in like, a bucket of ice. I don't know if, I don't know if, like, <laughs> like, 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 like short, like, if this if his boner wasn't slammed in a door, like this is definitely one of the the few articles I've read where the entire thing has been typed one handed. <laughs> um but she, he says, reaches out He's that slender left arm, that long muscle of her toned tricep visible through the black satin of her sleeve, and pushes the heavy door shut herself. <laughs> I know it is the heavy door because I have the same door on my own Jaguar. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, I think he is a Jaguar. Guys. <laughs> Again, uh, Top Gear producers, if you're reading, are you able to say Jaguar? Can you do it? Jaguar. Great. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> the anglicization. I, I, I know the, the weight of the door well because I always open and shut it for my wife because I'm a gentleman, except I don't if we're having a row or she has annoyed me in some way, obviously. <laughs> I love how like 90% of his columns seem to like uh, con- constitute like shitting on his family. So like, here it's like my wife like fucking pisses me off. There's that other one where he's like, my son is like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> and, then, and then it's not like, it is actually supposed to be positive about her. But then there's that one where he's like, my little infant daughter is so sexy. Oh yeah. Have you ever such felt, a cool guy. Have you ever felt the incredibly satisfying weight of the door of a Jaguar as it satisfyingly closes? Have you ever thought about, have you ever been closing the door of your Jaguar when you're really annoyed at your wife? <laughs> and, you feel the, and you feel the weight of that door as it, as it slams home and you think, if I put a skull in there, it would be crushed by the weight of that door. You ever just thought about that and just got an erection? If you ever locked your wife in a Jaguar oh, overnight. That. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What? <laughs> Step on your <laughs> Seriously, what are men going to do? Are we supposed to get out of our cars and stand there like lemons, whistling or scratching our bums or checking our stupid iPhones while our wife or girlfriend clambers out her side, possibly into traffic, and then heaves the door shut herself? <laughs> Women unable to keep track of traffic for themselves. It confuses their feeble brains. <laughs> well, well, Unlike well, lemons, which can stand, as we all know. What's the deal with when you're in a car with one of those 
women and they get out of a car and they walk into traffic and get killed. Like, what's the? It happens all the time to me. It's ridiculous. He just he just sees women as sort of just as just sort of dippy idiots who are going to just wander off into traffic (laughs) if they're not sort of you know sort of just policed and guided by sort of their money. Yeah. Setting it up for in case he does have to murder his wife later by throwing her in front of traffic. Like, I know they do that. Yeah, he says, you mustn't deny us our urge to do stuff for you. That scamper is an atavistic muscle twitch with deep evolutionary meaning. So basically... He just wants to be domed hard. Yeah, he, he, want, he, he wants to be, like, fin-domed, basically. <laughs> Sounds about right. Like, it's, it's, it, he, this, is, this is a guy who just who has every, every or life has sort of, even though he's incredibly posh, life has contrived to like ritually humiliate in every small way. <laughs> and he is now just basically standing here um, just being like, ah, it's fucking great. <laughs> not, I'm not allowed to do anything anymore. My wife keeps my balls in a vice. I get the, <laughs> my, my nuts keep getting slammed in this door. <laughs> just imagine Giles Corrin's wife giving birth and he like, he holds the baby for the first time and he's like, oh, she's really sexy for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you thought there might be a little bit of subtext here that maybe all the women that ride in his car want to get out of his car so badly that they're willing to run into traffic if he doesn't (laughs) control the door for them? It's just sort of like, get me away from this fucking guy. (laughs) He's got his Jaguar customized so he can kind of drive it while lying on his side with his ball stuck in the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he's like he, just, he has a totally like, a to- like this is a guy whose grip on life is just completely white knuckled and wide eyed. <laughs> like the only difference being that he's just so fucking drunk <laughs> <laughs> that he's like it's like this is this is this this is someone who's like whose entire journalistic career has been one long blackout. <laughs> Hell yeah. He says, but also now, somebody who, who seems to get away with saying really like the kind of shit that would prevent you from ever being able to publish a piece ever again. That's just like Tuesday to him. <laughs> I mean, while we were going through this, I just happened to uh, to notice because uh, of course I wasn't scanning my Twitter timeline errantly during a recording, but I happened to notice a thread of just like a collection of all of Giles Corn's greatest hits. Um, and there's one in particular that really kind of blew my mind in which apparently he was mad that his neighbors bought their son, their 12-year-old son, a drum kit. And he tweeted, next door have bought their 12-year-old son a drum kit. For fuck's sake, do I kill him, then burn it? Or do I fuck him, then kill him and burn it? He followed this tweet <laughs> with the following, child for sale, charred and partially fucked, has his own drum kit. Wow. <laughs> a very normal thing to tweet from a very normal person. So he, so he didn't burn the drum kit. Yeah, exactly. It's like he yeah. only burned the child, but logistically, that seems really complicated. And also, why why is he selling the child and the drum kit together as one piece? I feel like the kind of person who's in the market for a burned and partially fucked child is not the kind of person who wants a drum kit. Like, I mean, I used to play the drums. To I have to never what's going bought on a next. partially burned and fucked child. <laughs> partially fucked, anyway. So what? What, well, he's, what oh, he's, he's only got half his dick left. <laughs> <laughs> Giles Corrin slammed in a door. So, it's, so this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy is just like an an. This guy is he's every age of like reactionary contrarian online all at once. He is a nineteen year old edge lord shit poster on four chan trying to do like like shock humor, and he's also as like an aggrieved an aggrieved like um. um aging journalist who's like oh me too means i can't pinch my secretary's ass anymore it's gone too far literally michael white (laughs) 
genuinely. <laughs> so, so this is this the Spider-Man meme of them pointing at one another. Yeah, 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 totally. No, in fact, I think Laura literally tweeted that earlier. I saw that. Yeah, there was <laughs> someone did it. Yeah. So it says, but now as we he's this is back to Corin. But now as we move surely towards an equal world, equal opportunity, pay, rights, everything, it might come to be seen not as weakness to allow men to provide these little services, but as graciousness, noblesse oblige, even like in Downton Abbey when Lord Grantham <laughs> explains to Matthew Crawley that he should let his valet do his cufflinks even if he doesn't need him to just to make him feel useful so essentially Giles Corrin is positing that equal rights ha- it's sort of the, the equal rights in as much as we have them sort of the general feminist project has made men subservient to women but that women should still allow us to serve them so we can feel useful and so we can get like pants straining hard ons that exactly. we can then slam in a door. I'm just because loving the everyone idea. everyone knows the history of the patriarchy has been one long uninterrupted chain of men serving women. That's <laughs> yeah, very look, clearly the interpretation I take. His, his analysis of Downton Abbey, uh, basically what that implies is that like a lot of posh people actually needed their valet to put their cufflinks on because like they weren't <laughs> able to. Like that they've been so inbred for so long that they no longer had any manual dexterity and they're like, Jenkins, come here. <laughs> He thinks Blackadder 3 is a documentary where Prince George spends a week getting his socks on. I can't get my pincers around this difficult mechanism. <laughs> uh, he, he concludes the article. So that's my humble request. If we promise to do everything we can to give up our positions of power and entrenched privilege, to melt make the world more safe and accessible, to stamp out every last manifestation of sexism, every wolf whistle and leery glance, to keep our legs closed in public transport, and not assume that we need to explain the latch on a ratchet screwdriver, is there any chance chance that we might possibly be allowed to open and close some doors for you no <laughs> nah, sorry giles sorry giles <laughs> world's changed man it's also it's like what woman has like okay this i'm aware this is a podcast of all guys um i'd like everyone to please put up please put up your hands if a woman has ever yelled at you for holding open a door. It's an audio medium, Riley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the list- I had both hands up. <laughs> <laughs> you were holding your mic on your erect, in twisted my- penis after it got <laughs> shut at a door. In my mouth, screamo style. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all got our hands down, but there's that massive guys outside watching the recording through the window, and they've all got their hands up. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, group, that group of bald, pink-faced men all being like- My every- gapes is here, yes! Every time, whatever, because that's what it is, he's done, basically, is he's a magic a bunch of women that hate him for holding the door for him because they're ungrateful for all the power he's like given up I tell you who hates you for holding the door for them Russians okay they're like, they're like I've like held the door open for so many people you know like when you like you hold the door open a bit just as you're going through and it's like and the next person comes through like momentarily so it's, you've not even really held the door no this was one of the situations where like you're holding the door for like a really substantial length of time because like someone who's a bit old or whatever is like some distance from the door but you're like fuck it I'll hold the door and then like so there's like you know like 20 seconds go by as they come through the door and in Russia they just like they just make eye contact with you like do the angriest face ever <laughs> say nothing and keep going do you not think I can so, open yeah. door so this is this is what happened with Giles Corin. then he clearly he clearly has mistaken women and all Russians which <laughs> yeah, is a, that's how it happens I yeah. do that all the time women keep hacking his computer <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and posting insane twe- ins- insane like threats of violence against Michael White yeah. because of me too it's not safe to go to ZZ's and well, Salisbury's now. Well, to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> you could Salisbury. say Russians hack Russians have hacked his uh, journalism and journalistic career and Twitter through vodka. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's drinking anything as democratic as vodka. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like niche liqueurs. Like my man, my man drinking Chambord. <laughs> 
I, 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 like, it's just on the different kinds of quaaludes they give to rich people. <laughs> it's quay spelled like Q U E. Like <laughs> hey, dude, no, I, 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 I can't wait for him to go review a restaurant called Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> so I say let's let's say so that that's Giles Corin. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be being able to introduce him to our American audience. Uh, <laughs> we're probably going to be hearing from him again. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's let's all get a GoFundMe going to uh, fix the dick that he got slammed in a door repeatedly. That he definitely didn't. He didn't enjoy that though. Didn't Pour, enjoy getting his dick slammed. Pouring out a, a cup of the pre crumb that is ejected when you get pegged from our, for our boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to move on. This podcast was originally intended to be 20% Giles Corrin, 80% Chris Leslie, which incidentally is what 100% I... 100% u- excellent taste. Which is <laughs> two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah. Um, which incidentally is what I, of course, uh, and every every man should have on his Tinder profile if he wants to get a date with his <laughs> Lib Dem chick. Um, so we, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna shift into Chris Leslie uh, territory here. 420% Chris Leslie. Taking Chris Leslie private. <laughs> yes. Um, so more on that now. In the next episode. Now, uh, Jack. Yes. Can you rem- can you tell our our audience uh, who is Chris Leslie? Well, he's most famous for very, 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 very briefly being the Labour Shadow Chancellor uh, throughout the summer of 2015. Of course, then. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn won the leadership and Chris Leslie was no longer shadow chancellor. John McDonnell, the, uh, the hard man of the hard left, took his place. But the true chancellor of shadows. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. A man deserving of a title as cool as shadow chancellor. So Chris, Chris Leslie is basically a standard labor mo- like labor moderate labor right labor liberal he's he's a suit yeah he is a blair brown era apparatchik he was uh, i think he was an advisor to gordon brown gordon's photocopy boy basically <laughs> he uh, yeah he di- he did the photocopying for gordon brown and from what i hear was very good at it um became a labor mp um i think in 2005 maybe or that could have been when he lost his seat because uh, he used to have a different seat. Now he's in Nottingham East. He lost his previous seat to arch misogynist Tory Philip Davis, uh, and then with New Labour being the way it was, he just got given a safe seat anyway. After after that, because um, he was owed it, of course. Yeah, of course yeah. He, he deserved it. He you earned- do good photocopies, you get a safe seat. And yeah, that's- <laughs> job for life. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's that it's that essentially the um, so what what's happened is that there was recently a, mo- a, vo- a motion of no confidence from his local party, a real people's vote. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically passed overwhelmingly, suggesting that more basic, which basically has no, uh, it doesn't deselect him, but it sort of opens up the ground to the sort of the ideological ground to then do a trigger ballot, which can then deselect him. Which again, for the American listeners, is kind of like make, make it basically primarying him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love, to, love to extremely trigger Chris Leslie. Yeah. And so <laughs> Chris, the, the le- so the legacy of Chris Leslie since Jeremy Corbyn became because he expected that la- Labour would consider pump- comfortably polling in the twenties or so, which it sort of was around then, and then yeah. Jeremy Corbyn becomes a uh, Labour leader in two thousand fifteen, and Chris Leslie's sort of let's say his vision of his future goes from. I'm going to write a book about the importance of being sensible opposition to... I'm going to write a pamphlet about the importance of being sensible opposition. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he 
sort of so his career had steadily risen obviously he went from photocopy boy to mp to um to uh, shadow chief secretary to the treasury under ed Miliband, and then when ed balls lost his seat after uh, the 2015 election harriet harman who was the interim leader because she was labor's deputy leader at the time she promoted leslie to shadow chancellor um and he got to work you know uh she and Leslie whipped Labour to um, abstain on benefit cuts. Um, and Leslie did this now famous in, well, I'm not really, now Twitter famous interview with The Guardian, where he basically talked about how Labour needs to appeal to the witch magazine strata of society, whatever the fuck witch magazine is. <laughs> Guys who care about which DSLR is the best. <laughs> we need to have a policy on this. Is it the Sony A700? Is it the Canon 60D? We need to know. Yeah. It's, 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 that's, that's, that's absolutely typical of, of centrists, though. They'll invent these very crucial demographics that are yeah. based on like what car someone drives or what sport they play. Exactly, and it's and this was the tone of Labour rhetoric after Ed Miliband so designed, if, if resigned. Labor, if Labour really wants to win, we need to uh, we need to uh, uh, we need to appeal to the Subaru crowd, <laughs> but not the Northern Subaru crowd. We need to dr- appeal to Subaru drivers in the Southwest. Yeah, so all Hell of yeah. all of the sort of uh, the Labour establishment people in that leadership pe- uh, contest, they were all kind of talking in these incredibly consumer-based terms. I, I bet I bet Chris Leslie would have written written a. Di- a had he sort of not been driven insane by Brexit, we would have he would have probably written an article called something like uh, the Love Island constituency. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Tristram Hunt, who briefly ran as leader before deciding he didn't want to and has now left Parliament to become the director of the Victoria and Albert Museum. He, um, yeah, he was... It's a normal career. Yeah, a kind of Blairite guy. He basically, uh, who used to be the MP inexplicably for Stoke-on-Trent, he uh, was like, well, we need to appeal to people who aspire to shop at John Lewis, who aspire to stop the shop at John Lewis. And Andy Burnham, being the kind of the candidate who when asked what his favourite biscuit is in a mum's net Q&A, said, I don't like biscuits, I like crisps and gravy. Because he's the, you know, he's the authenticrat choice. and gravy? That sounds gross. Chips and gravy. Okay. My bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, North, the North, Riley, don't go there. Yeah, <laughs> a- Andy Burnham uh, came up with a more worker-friendly position, which was that we need to appeal to Aldi people. So it was, it was still like this kind of consumer categories that they were all talking in. And Chris Leslie's was as we say, for which magazine's strata of society. And he also blew a lot of smoke up landlords' asses in that interview. And I suspect Leslie himself may be a buy-to-let landlord. Was that, was that to send landlords into a kind of sleepy state so that their hive could be removed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only. <laughs> I think he just really likes landlords. So, so, <laughs> so basically, Chris, Chris Leslie is someone who, like, who probably thinks that he his desire is basically for there to be a single party that is right about everything because it's mm. appealed to more or less all of the different sort of consumer strata of society. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> absolutely like, right. Uh, we, we need to appeal to cricket uncles. <laughs> we need to appeal to cricket uncles who like prawn cocktail crisps. Yeah, and Jeremy Corbyn's well and good, but can he bowl a fast spinner? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, since... Late 2016, I'd say, Chris Leslie has largely been more than a person, more of a meme, I'd say. And I, and I will take full responsibility for this. It's something much larger than himself. Yeah. It's part of a bigger project. Because he thought that in early 2016, it was a, a, in, during a reshuffle where Corbyn 
sacked the hated Michael Duggar for being terrible at his job, aka uh, too much. Uh, too, what is it? Too much straight talking on his politics. Um, Chris Leslie thought it would be a good idea to go on the Daily Politics and use the word hard left um, around ten times, I think, uh, in, in a like ten minute segment. Can we play your intro music here? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, Giles yeah. Karen watching it like I haven't got any hard left. <laughs> the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Yeah, so I I edited this into uh, just into a little kind of sound collage for the start of my podcast. uh, And it has appeared in every episode since. And uh, yeah, Chris Leslie has is probably more well known for that than he is for, you know, any of his actual political activity. (laughs) That's how you know you've succeeded. Um, that, that's maybe that's the, the demographic he needs to appeal to is um is podcast pros. Yeah, yeah, totally. Same with Gapes, really. Like more people know him for milk than for you know any actual uh, political work he's done. So Brexit just refer to him as Gapes. It makes him sound like a rapper. <laughs> Gapes, Lil Gapes, Chris Chris Leslie is the fathers for justice of politicians. He's known chiefly for his methods rather than for like what he was actually protesting about. It's like a guy, Chris Leslie is a man dressed as Batman on top of a crane going, I want to see my kids. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Chris Leslie has been driven completely insane by Brexit because he feels as though sort of it has derailed liberal politics and denied him the sort of comfortable, easy future that he believes was more or less inevitable. Oh, yeah. I think I think the ascent of Corbyn sort of started the process, vote, got the ball rolling because by the time Brexit hit, Leslie had already been kind of unmoored from a career that he thought had, would, you know, was all laid out ahead of him. Uh, Corbyn got in, you know, he had to rethink things, and that's why he decided to do his kind of kamikaze TV appearances where he's like, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left. And so um, Chris Leslie, now that he has been um, not deselected yet, but is yet. well on, he is, he is several stations deep on the deselection express, however. Chew fucking chew. Um, <laughs> he he's penned an, an article for the Guardian, which of course dutifully published it. Yeah, Observer actually. Oh, to, to to be a bit Alan Rusbridger, it's the Observer actually, not the Guardian. <laughs> Different. Oh God, that 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 meme of the guy yelling into the girl's ear. Actually, the mail on Sunday's different. It's got a different. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the Observer is even fucking worse than the Guardian. <laughs> so. And then Geordie Grieg mysteriously became the editor of the Mail as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, labor is no longer a broad church. It is intolerant of those who speak their minds. Um, <laughs> we know that hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Fuck y'all, Chris. We can. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it strikes me as being very ahistorical, considering that like New Labor exiled a number of people that it deemed too hard left uh you know over the course of its time in power but this so this like this this broad church where we tolerate dissent is just i don't know like it's the same kind of myth making of can we return to that 
halcyon wonderful time of pre-Brexit when everything was good with politics and there was no such thing as bad politics. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a, an MP in Corbyn's shadow cabinet at the moment called Kay Osamore and her mum has just been put in the House of Lords. Her mum, a left-wing after activist called Martha Osamore, who was a kind of invo- heavily involved in Labour's black sections in the 80s. She won a CLP vote in, I think, 87 to be selected as her local candidate, but was overruled by Neil Kinnock. And of course, um, the person who replaced Martha Osamore as the MP for uh, that seat went on to be very, very popular with her constituents. You may know her, a little known MP called Kate Hoey. Oh, that's who. Yeah, because I, I knew that that was what happened. Yeah, I just I I knew, or rather, I knew Kate Hoey was basically selected because a radi- a radical, a black radical left wing activist was deemed too dangerous. Yeah, and so they parachuted in someone who like routinely paddles around the Thames with Nigel fucking Farage. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> they, what that, a normal day out. Yeah, that's Mo- Neil Kinnock, man, keeping yeah. the flame of moderate Labour burning. Oh, Neil Kinnock, though, what a guy <laughs> fell over on a beach. <laughs> he got, got beaten up by the. See, <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was dark nut. <laughs> this, no, he's continuing a, a, tr- a proud tradition of British leaders getting clowned by the ocean. <laughs> so basically, but this is this this is just so telling, right? That sort of Chris Le- Chris Leslie sort of just he wants a politics where everyone agrees and the dum dums and the poors just dutifully shut up and take whatever policies that he and his moderate conservative friends and Lib Dem friends sort of cook up with their big technocratic brains. Mm-hmm. That's more or less what he thinks about politics. Um, and the fact and he's basically I don't know what he's trying to, is he trying to do what identity politics for like liberals? Yeah, they, I think that's a good idea because they're sort of you know they identify as the most sensible, the smartest person in the room, basically. Yeah, you know what this is? He's trying to do um he's trying to do like um um, um visib- visibility for people who got two ones from Oxbridge after going to a comprehensive and they <laughs> keep reminding you of it, like. Except he definitely didn't go to a conference. Well, he claims to have. Oh, wait, no, sorry. I thought we weren't talking about Giles Corrin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Giles Corrin is like kind of in the same group. Like, I bet Chris Leslie likes Giles Corrin. Oh, probably, yeah. No, I'm sure Chris Leslie did go to a conference. If he says yeah. he did, he probably did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Let's not libel Chris Leslie unnecessarily. <laughs> I mean, he... Not a nece- only a necessary ones. Yeah. No, he, he went to a comprehensive, and who, boy, will he remind you of it? Yeah, just falling apart, yeah. you know? So, um, but it's the other thing is like, it's basically he's, what's happened is his local party, which he just says, oh, it was momentum activists. It's not yeah. the real party. So it's, it's, um, so when the Labour Party, for example, votes to have a second Brexit referendum, then it's democ- oh, democracy has owned the Labour leadership. But when his local party votes to have a, a, a no confidence motion in him, <laughs> then it's a sinister outside agitated plot. <laughs> What I did think was very funny was that while this was taking place, he was at a quote-unquote people's vote meeting somewhere else in the city, uh, and he posted the picture on Twitter, like, full house tonight. And it was not a full house, you know. Uh, there was, <laughs> they, they, was Everyone is sort of spaced out on the rows to make it look like there were more people there. But, that you know, you could have crammed, like, a, a whole... You, you could have crammed, like, a... Uh, you could have crammed all of Giles Corrin's, like, uh, 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 weird sexual issues in there. Yeah, you could have crammed about three pro progress meetings in there you know that's at least like you know about 20 people <laughs> i'm just imagining now like after the vote on the second brexit referendum john mcdonald coming into jeremy corbyn and being like i'm sorry jeremy it's bad news we've been owned and jeremy's like well, that's terrible and he's like but it's not all bad news jeremy and he's like why is that we've been publicly owned <laughs> he's like i do like publicly owned <laughs> 
Uh, with, it's with great regret that I turn up your gain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about well, gains. I will say also it's amazing to me that a, a consequential thing happens to a British MP while they're not in the place they're supposed to be. Similar <laughs> to our, our good friend Tim Farron missing the chance to vote against Brexit because he's too busy speaking about how the Bible thinks being gay is bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what I loved um, that Tim happened with Tim Farron, I think yesterday was... Uh, Anna Subri, the woke Tory MP, did a tweet slagging off Dennis Skinner, uh, and Owen Jones was was like, you know, obviously steamed in, like, well, Dennis Skinner voted against all these awful policies that Anna Subri voted for. Tim Farron then steamed in to say, uh, well, actually, I like Anna Subri a lot more than I like Dennis Skinner. To which Owen Jones replied, well, you know, you wanted to die on the hill of at least, you know, at least Dennis Skinner wanted to die on the hill of like opposing benefit cuts rather than dying on a hill of of like saying gay sex is a sin to which tim farron said well you know who did die on a hill our lord and savior jesus christ <laughs> i think josie long did the best to me about that when she was like that is the most partridge thing ever just yeah. being like i'll tell you who did die on a hill who invented the skip <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like i was gonna say well who did die on a hill i don't know andrew breitbart and a toilet and gestad <laughs> just on a mountain of his own shit <laughs> Elvis, uh, Jesus, uh, the brave men of the Marines. Wait, are you listening to best Brit- r- British rulers of the last century again? Oh, hell yeah. The Still brave men of the Marines. The, the, amorphous, <laughs> the Iwo Jima guys. <laughs> Gapes when he has that long overdue coronary after drinking some bad milk. <laughs> Gapes, the only M- the MP whose celebrity lookalike is Pac-Man. <laughs> and also Barrier in the death of Stalin. He just opens at the center. Like, he's hinged. <laughs> <laughs> That's so um, the other thing that I noticed, though, about Leslie's sort of commitment to keeping his own job is basically like what what he all of this sort of commitment to sort of no open selection that labor has to be a broad church and can't sort of and we can't sort of deselect our, our MPs that we don't think are going doing a good job. Yeah. Is there basically, oh, well, we worked hard for you, so we deserve these seats. Where basically it's like Chris Leslie is actually a massive progressive. He's campaigning for universal basic income or a government jobs guarantee. It's just. He's campaigning for it for Chris Leslie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so he says, uh, when Momentum's activists in my local party voted to censure me, it was hardly a surprise. After all, I'm the latest in a line of labor MPs to be told we are not welcome, all for speaking our minds. <laughs> Simply for having different politics to the political party that I'm part of and the vast majority of its membership. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, you know... I just realized this. I'm, I'm just like bo- almost like bottom line up front. You know who Chris Leslie is? Vaguely. He's no, he's the MP Brendan O'Neill. Oh, okay, okay. He's free, Elaborate. He's a free speech warrior who's like, oh, yeah. also like the music of Disturbed. <laughs> I, well, you know, I think he probably would like some like Britpop shit. I, I bet he likes Blur. And again, in fact, our friend Tim Farron did defend Chris Leslie after his vote of no confidence. So I, I could see them. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's how you know you're a really good Labour Party politician <laughs> when everyone from every other party tweets out how much they like you and agree with your policies. And it happens quite a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, you always got these Tory MPs like fucking Ben Bradley taking a break from committing crimes to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Leslie is my favorite. In this case, the crime we're referring to is when he just libeled the shit out of yeah, Corbyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I, I just like, I, I like sort of detaching what the specificity of the crime and just being like, the guy's a criminal. <laughs> please, please, RT. <laughs> so in my case, the censure motion criticized me for disagreeing with Jeremy Corbyn. I do on the importance of a responsible economic policy on national security national national security on Europe, ironically similar issues on which Jeremy disagreed with previous leaders. Yeah, but but the, like the the thing was that the majority of Labour members also agreed with Corbyn's rebellions against New Labour, whereas most Labour members think that the MPs who rebel against Corbyn now are just detestable individuals. That list of leaders Corbyn disagrees with in full. First of all, King Canard. <laughs> <laughs> Corbyn is a pro-ocean MP. <laughs> Dumbledore, not Corbyn. Different guys. Saying, hey, don't stop the ocean. The ocean's good. Yeah, it's like your, your anti-land rhetoric has gotten you only so far, Mr. Corbin. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's like it's it's like he wants to be. It's he's somehow invoking this idea of fairness, where he's like, yeah, well, uh, Corbin disagreed with the previous leadership, and they didn't kick him out. And it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> he maybe did try, I think, yeah. in like ninety six. Yeah, m- maybe they tried, and if they didn't, it would have been smart politics to do so if you want to tighten your control on the party. <laughs> I mean, there's a Luke Akehurst, who's the uh, chair of Labour First, which is the Labour rights organizing faction within the party. Uh, not Basically, the Blairite for the Amer- one. For the American listeners, Luke Akehurst, if he was American, would be spending all of his day is doing um, like like Adderall and tweeting at Susan Sarandon that she's a traitor. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Luke, there's a Luke Aker, Luke Akers blog. I'm saying from he the... does Adderall. I'm saying <laughs> if he were American, that might be a thing he would do. I highly recommend seeking out Akers blogs from the mid 2000s. We did an episode on them a, a few weeks back, and uh, there's there's one where he talks about how he's uh, trying to deselect Diane Abbott for the third time. They're having another trigger ballot in in his uh, in uh, her consti- her Hackney North constituency party, which just wins handily all the time yes and and basically they the right did try and get rid of left-wing mps uh giant diane abbott in this case they just never succeeded because she had the confidence of her constituents unlike chris leslie in fact i'm going to jump a little bit ahead in the article here i'm going to say chris leslie while sort of just basically whinging that everybody hates him um that's more or less what this article is is you all don't like me that's why i know i'm right yeah um is he says, I am in awe of the professionalism and determination of those colleagues who face a torrent of sexist or racist abuse every day, but never shy away, much like the labor right does to Diane Abbott. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. I mean, it, it, making that out to be a kind of one-sided issue you know, is when you know someone's not politically say serious. racist and sexist things about they Diane constantly Abbott. Try to, oh, they do. And they also constantly try to deselect I mean, her as well. People do, definitely, in general. But also, I feel like there's a weird kind of insinuation there that anyone who dares oppose a labor right MP is doing so solely out of racial or sexual malice. That there could be no disagreement on politics. It must just be because you're racist. Mm. I love to oppose someone out of sexual malice. <laughs> 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 Wait, Giles Corrin? Magic, magic heart Sex, was angry. Sexual malice is Giles Corrin's ban from the early 80s. They didn't <laughs> know about them. You're, I mean, you're right, Nate, in that they do come up with these kind of identitarian categories in order to defend Labour right-wingers who come under kind of democratic threat. For instance, recently, I think it was Neil Coyle MP, who's a real tosser. Like, we called him a conquer-headed cunt back when we were less scared of getting suspended on Twitter. He uh, did a <laughs> he, he did a tweet defending this councillor who was about to get deselected, saying that she was a young, white, comma, working-class woman. So he, he, meant, he meant to do white working class as one category, but it sounded like he was saying, do not deselect this woman because she is white. <laughs> I told you, they're all Labour right-wingers are secretly Brendan O'Neill. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 
Ahem. Uh, it has become increasingly apparent that differing views are not tolerated in the Labour Party, and every opinion is judged on whether it is acceptable to the party leadership. This started shortly after Jeremy became leader, as colleagues with whom I had previously thought I'd shared a similar political outlook began expecting me to do a U-turn and take positions I would never otherwise have agreed with. Well, there you go. I mean, that shows that most Labour MPs do think Chris Leslie's just a massive pain in the ass, and for what it's worth, I have heard that he is, from a senior Labour source, that he's widely disliked in the Parliament. Labour Party, beyond that gang of like 40 ultra Blairites who will always defend him. <laughs> it's, it's the, um, also the thing is where it's like, you see this a lot actually in sort of criticisms of the Labour left, which is that they'll say, oh, everyone just worships Saint Corbin or yeah. whatever, Magic Grandpa, as though this is about Corbin and not about policy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like, I would elect a, a, a targeted ad prime minister if like the t-shirt said nationalize shit without compensation (laughs) like you wouldn't you you might like me because i'm a gemini i'm a gemini who nationalizes without compensation and ends the foreign wars right like I would elect that T-shirt to be prime minister. Yeah, exactly. They think it's about a cult of personality, but then they do this thing of like, you know, and anyone who kind of has, who has kind of a realistic grounding in, well, any kind of grounding in reality on the labor right is like, Hey, this Chris Leslie guy is probably a bit of a liability. He's probably dragging us down and making us look a bit right wing to the left wing membership. We need to win over to, uh, to, 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 you know, take the party back from the Corbynites. Um, but then there is what I call the gang of 40, although I'd say there's probably a bit more than 40. Um, go on Mike Gapes' timeline and uh, obviously the boy Gapes, I always check his timeline to see if he said anything <laughs> new about milk. But he loves the milk. Milk. He does. For, for the for the American listeners, um, Mike Gapes one, once went on, it, Mike Gapes, who again is perfectly round, uh, once went <laughs> on a bizarre purple-faced rant in the House of Commons uh, about how uh, people are taking milk from the north and milk from the south and mixing it together and that's somehow a bad thing. Yeah, well, no, I think uh, it's, it's the race mixing of milk. <laughs> <laughs> he was basically worried that about uh, the effect that Brexit, we could Mike, Mike Gapes, like Chris Leslie, another very anti-Brexit MP. He was basically worried about the effects it, the effect, the effects it, the, <laughs> the effects that Brexit might have on the UK's Bailey's trade, uh, and that was how uh, he. That's why he was saying, and you have the milk that is taken from cows in the south, taken from the cows in the north, and is put together in the same factory where it's mixed together with whiskey, and it comes out as milk or well actually he said baileys but um but anyway yeah mike gapes retweeted yesterday no less than 26 labor mps admittedly two of them currently suspended for sexual harassment but no less than 26 labor mps all bigging up chris leslie saying what a tragedy it would be um if he got deselected so you know the whole whatsapp group was good come out to play (laughs) (laughs) well it's, it's the other thing it's um it's that he's ba- it's labor party is a the labor party as it is becoming a left wing party and not just sort of descending sort of valiantly into you know insignificance like the other pesachified social Demo- democratic parties of Europe. Oh, George Eaton here, <laughs> <laughs> my man. <laughs> woke, woke, woke. George Eaton, George Eaton. Love um, him. Yeah, but it's he's like, oh, we need to be able to disagree with one another. It's like, well, no, we're a political party. You have to have a policy that you then put forward. It's not about finding some kind of right answer to some yeah. sort of problem that you're solving. Politics isn't math homework, genius. Yeah. It's actually just about taking power and redistributing the scarce... <laughs> 
and well, decreasingly scarce resources of society to who gets it, which are the people you're supposed to represent. It's not about like, you know, reaching over the aisle and doing grand West Wing speeches and figuring out the exact right rate of benefit taper that will encourage most of the poors to get off their asses and work so we can have a thriving society where, you know, Giles Corrin has a valet that can put on his cufflinks <laughs> and then slam his penis in a car door. <laughs> yeah. Is that to your liking, sir? <laughs> yeah. Did you uh, did you get past the bit where Chris Leslie is sort sort of talking about how Jeremy said that we will have a kind of gentler politics? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's like look, he's I'm a, like when Corbyn said that there's going to be a kinder, gentler politics. I know he did mean like we're not going to just abuse people online. Yeah, but. The fact is, everyone, a lot of people have interpreted that to mean, like, you can never be mad at me. Yeah. Is <laughs> what, what Corbyn meant was, be nice to everyone who disagrees with me. Yeah, and, and, and Corbyn, in his conference speech, uh, kind of repeated that sentiment. He said something like, you know, we need to be more open and tolerant to different views and stuff. And then once Chris Leslie got the vote of no confidence, all the melts were digging out this uh, this quote from Corbyn. For instance, weirdly, um, Guardian's deputy political editor, Pippa Srerar, tweeted out that quote from Corbyn with no context, not as part of any thread, and just pinned it as her, her pinned tweet. Um, and, and, and it's like... Reminding you. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, and it's like, I, I don't think Corbyn said anything about uh, not deselecting melts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right, it's like, it's... They've interpreted kinder, gentler politics as be a fucking doormat and give us whatever we want. Yeah. And go be and go sort of go be righteously hard left somewhere else. For some yeah. reason, this just reminded me of the Serbian war criminal guy in The Hague. And I'm just imagining <laughs> him just muttering so much for the tolerant left as he drinks the poison. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Leslie just going to drink poison in the middle of parliament. It's like, here's what I fucking epic if he just did a <laughs> shot of poison on the floor. <laughs> Mike, Mike Gates just like, this will be my last. Bottle of milk. In fact, Chris Leslie, and again, this is where it goes into the. Um, you, this is basically where it goes into Chris Leslie talking just about how much everyone hates him and how much <laughs> shit he gets on a daily basis. Yeah. It's like, whenever I speak publicly, and it doesn't really matter what I say, there follows a tirade of abuse on social media calling for deselection, <laughs> denouncing the politics of the center, and telling me that I should not be in the Labour Party. <laughs> And there's there's that other thing they say, isn't there, Chris? What's that other thing they say? They they ask you something, don't well, yeah, they? Over again, and over again. The the fact like I think it's really I've never seen shit posting be this politically effective. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Who are the hard left, Chris? Just, Who are the hard left, steaming, Chris? Every time Chris Leslie just does anything, just steaming into his mentions and hundreds of people posting, Who are the hard left, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they sort of vary. You know, there's some people voting, uh, posting, I'm afraid. There's some people saying, you know, the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. There's some people saying printing money, nationalization without compensation. <laughs> you know, he gets the full intro. <laughs> he gets a he gets a cho a chopped and screwed text version of the intro. Yeah, exactly. We have people remixing our our intro whenever this fucker tweets anything. It's great. <laughs> and and as a result, he's written a whiny article for the Observer about how everyone's trying to fire him because he sucks, and also people are making it difficult for him to be on Twitter. <laughs> the Observer have no fucking standards, man. If if some melt from on the Labour right like has just some shit to bitch and moan about the observer would just be like yeah how many words do you want like do you want ten thousand we'll give you ten thousand so he in fact this is this goes to what we were saying earlier uh, jeremy corbyn claimed last week the labor party should foster a culture of tolerance yes but those acting in his name do the precise opposite the reality is that the broad church 
The reality is, sorry, that we are no longer the broad church, and with every no-confidence motion or change of selection rules, the party becomes narrower. <laughs> Replace Jeremy Corbyn with Saladin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think. It's like the, rea- the reality is we are no longer the broad church. That's correct. We're no longer a broad church because we represent the interests of more people, not a wider variety of interests. Yeah, we're not we're not the church for fucking buy-to-let landlords anymore, that's for sure. We don't care for ITV period detective dramas. <laughs> <laughs> but then here's what here's where here's where it gets uh, you know that would be a chris leslie category of voter we <laughs> yeah. need to appeal the itv midweek period detective drama crowd yo we need we need to get we need to get the people who are going to very fancy pawn shops yes they know which is the best consumer rated washing machine <laughs> um, <laughs> such tactics are familiar from the hard left of the past Momentum is, after all, the militant for the digital age. Uh, Owen Smith uh, was onto this as well. Both begin with an M. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Owen <laughs> Smith <laughs> of solutions, not slogans, fame. That's a slogan, Owen. <laughs> yeah. What solution do they have to keeping their jobs other than saying momentum, and other than their vaguely alliterative slogan? Our yeah. policy is crack, not cocaine. <laughs> um. So what do they ex- what do they expect the public to conclude if Labour continues to push out people on the centre left while readmitting the likes of Derek Hatton? Well, I don't know, Chris. I think the public made its conclusion quite uh, quite finally with regards to your fucking job. Yeah, I don't think Chris Leslie's on the centre left either. I think he's just centre. I think as people, you know, Corbyn is left. There's some Labour MPs who I would say have left wing principles, but are more, you know, kind of triangulating centrist. I'd say like Ed Miliband is centre left. Yeah. Chris Leslie, you know, there's he's forgotten the left part of the equation. There's there's you know there's fuck all left wing about this guy. Uh, just remembering how he, among many other Labour MPs, wants to ban anonymous online posters. But then again, people guys who post anonymously, like with names like a musk ox in Devonshire or whatever, or like a heron, a heron from York are like his main constituency online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a heron from York, FBPE. <laughs> <laughs> so can you get a Bitmoji avatar for an animal? If so, I need one. I'll pay. <laughs> Bitmoji of a heron. <laughs> in various poses. A, a bit, a Bitmoji of a heron doing means testing. <laughs> Um, emoji freaks me the fuck out. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah, well, no. I mean, the, the 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 Bitmoji FBPE Venn diagram is basically a circle. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's, of terrifying, it's, but it, no. it's it's a real thing. The Bitmoji FBPE Venn diagram is Mike Gapes shaped. <laughs> you get a Bitmoji of yourself being fucked in the ass by John Claude Juncker. <laughs> if so, I need it. I mean, technically, I need you can reasons. draw anything you want. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the FBPE crowd would be like, would be like, yeah, John Claude. I don't. I, it would be like, I'm not even attracted to John Claude Junker, but I'm gonna let him fuck me for principles. Some John Claude junk in that trunk. He's one of the only two. That was Jack Freed, no, everybody. Fuck no, off. Wait, wait. There, there are three. There are three John Pauls we know. There's the late Pope, and then there's the two Belgian guys, Junker and Van Dam. What a what a threesome that is! What an interesting Venn diagram. Wait, have you you've got John Pauls and John Claudes mixed up? I oh, think. <laughs> I don't know anything today. You're terrible with yeah. these damn Fuck. Europeans. They're all the same. Send them back. Oh, Brexit so now. Yeah, send them all back. <laughs> send the dead Pope back. <laughs> he was Polish. Don't try and fix my plumbing. Pope John Paul II. Um. So here's uh, here's another thing that Leslie does in this article that Labour centrists just love doing. Uh, he says, 
Ever since I joined labor 32 years ago as a school pupil, provoked by the Thatcher government's neglect that had left my comprehensive, note the comprehensive, doing a little bit of authenticity here, school classroom literally falling down, so like Lenny in The Simpsons, um, I've sought to champion better public services for those who need them most. Note the last three words of that clause, need them most. Mm, yeah. Basically, he's like, I support, I, I support means testing, basically. I yeah. want to take away universalized programs because we can't afford them, and I don't want rich kids having the NHS when their parents are driving Subarus. Yeah, but to be fair, everyone says that, though. Like, it, like even on the left, people say, fit, like, services people for those who need them most because it's, like, evocative of being, like... Did, but, just, it's just, like, a thing you say to say, like, really... Put, but like, the to say, I care about the difference. Who, the difference yeah. is that when people on the left say that, we were, we're referring to universal services so the people who need them most can actually get them because most of and when people on the on the center or the right say this they mean brutally means tested systems which chris leslie does literally support i think knowing leslie that's that's probably fair actually yeah. i mean i think i think your point is fair as well though. yeah i think it rhetorically but in it this means, case yeah, right he's in, got a point in this case i think he's signal because he's been criticized for his support of like of of say for of, of sort of brutally residualizing the welfare state yeah and so on because and the and the justification for that is always well we can't waste resources on those who don't need them so we're going to target them to those who need them and it sort of sounds sensible until you realize that it's actually a way of like residualizing stigmatizing and just making it sort of shittier to live a life on benefits where it becomes a safety net for people who fail rather than a foundation you can build your life on also, but it basically creates a situation in which the people who might have the most clout to complain and force change when a system sucks don't ever experience it, so they don't even know what it's like. That's absolutely and I'm right. Speaking from as an American, where like this was done quite brutally by a Democrat, because as you know, much like the Labor Party, they, they're the ones who actually can can do it the best because they sort of can hoodwink their constituents. That the same sort of thing will happen. That you know, in a long enough timeline, you means test and you basically turn things into these ossified shitholes for everyone you know who needs them, and then everybody else. Is just like well, I have a better thing because I pay for it. Yeah, it's that. And um, Giles Corrin has an ossified shithole. <laughs> <laughs> so, slammed in a door as well. Uh, so <laughs> he says, but it, it's, it, he's doing the thing where he's like, "How dare you criticize me? I've been I've been on the left for more authentic reasons for longer than you." And yeah. people say this all the time about about Tony Blair. They're like, "How dare you criticize New Labor? They did sure start." You know, yeah. it's like it's like well. A. It's like, hey, sure, start in one hand, a million Iraqis in the other. Yeah. Same difference, right? <laughs> yeah. And the what Tories if those closed, Iraqis had had free books, Nate? And the Tories closed like every sure start center anyway. Mm. Like Tony Blair did a couple of things that were good that got immediately canceled out. And then a fuck ton of shit that was terrible. Yeah, and, you know, inequality kind of stagnated during the Blair era. I don't think it kept kind of accelerating at the level it did under Thatcher, but it didn't get better. Mm -hmm. And then the Tories were able to get back in and everything, you know, just kind of went haywire again, spiraled and, out of control. And, and the Blairites sort of all there, but they, they see politics as so personal that mm. they can't, because for them, every political question is basically technical. Yeah. So that's all settled. The only, the only thing left in politics is personality. And so everyone just is attracted to the raw sexual magnetism of Jeremy Corbyn, clearly. Yeah, it's um, a shame because like none of their guys, apart from Mike Gapes, have personalities. Gapes, <laughs> obviously, a maverick, so you've yeah. got, got to exempt him. Um, I also would point out, too, that it seems like there's a certain strand of belief that th Labour got Thatcher because it deserved it. 
mm. because Labour was just too left. And so they were punished rightfully by having Thatcher or having the conservatives in power for 18 years when that completely ignores the the role that the SDPLP played. Yeah. Effectively saying like, oh, no, no, never, never mind. There was a spoiler party. It's just uh, we were too left and we can't let that happen again. So here, support things no one likes. Yeah. Support things no one likes because it's the hard but correct choice. And the entire population is going to have to see that because they're like, exactly. yeah. oh, I'm it's a Boy e- Scout and also incredibly rich. But don't mind the second part. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's because their whole opinion of politics is like, oh, yeah, well, it's easy just to promise the public stuff they'll like. Yeah, yeah it is. Yes. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of what the basis of our political system is, you Dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, hang on a minute. It's a bit like it's a bit like winning winning elections the same way that like uh, those like weird uh, fedora nerd guys try to like t- talk like fucking talk to women using the game by Neil Strauss. It's like sure, women will like you if you like listen to them and respect their opinions, but like but that's anyone can do that. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get them to like me by doing weird fucked up shit and wearing a feather in my hat. <laughs> um. And so, but also he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, how dare you, how dare you try to out left me? Uh, I'm as left as it's reasonable to be. Also, yeah. you're being personally mean because you've just been hypnotized by an old huckster. That's, that's about right. Yeah. And of course, if we, uh, Nate mentioned the SDP yeah. and uh, Chris Leslie is one of the most likely candidates from a parliamentary Labour Party to go off and form a new SDP. And indeed, I read his, um, I, 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 SDP. Yeah, I read, I read his, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I missed that. A new SDP, the NSDP. Oh my God. <laughs> Nate, can that stay in? Just needs of an A. It can stay in. Yeah. yeah. You can't libel the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Comparing them to the SDP, a bit harsh, but you know. <laughs> um, no, um, there was. Um, uh, uh, Fuck, what was I saying? Yeah, I read Chris Leslie's new pamphlet on the train down, uh, Centre Ground. Made with his own printing press. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He photocopied it himself. Imagine like a lithograph of fucking Chris Leslie making <laughs> pamphlets. Chris, Chris Leslie getting, getting like 10 iPads to write 99 theses and then putting a railway spike through them on Jeremy Corbyn's door. <laughs> well, well the, good, the good thing is actually, because he's getting bankrolled by all these, you know, pro-European billionaires now, um, he can, you know, he can buy as many photographs copies as he wants he can have like in you know um hard remain HQ. so you're, you're saying that basically what he's doing is he's actually um targeting the critical photocopier owner constituency yeah absolutely he's going to have it having meetings like, with labor, most labor needs to target photocopy dads yeah. uh labor also labor needs to target uh the people who really really like the um the, the, the who really like a lot of the early frat pack movies but thought that um <laughs> Thought that not that knocked up was too emotional. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. In, at FBPEHQ, they've just got yeah wall to wall photocopiers. But um, but anyway, yeah, I reckon they might be using all Leslie and Chukramuna are obviously the guys who are in. He- uh, well, actually, uh, you know, friend of your show and mine, Matt Zarb cousin. Uh, went on the end ob- of the shows. Yes, friend of the shows, Matt Zarb cousin went on the Observer podcast recently, and he called the Observer to its journalists uh, the propaganda arm of Chris Leslie, um, and and they sort of they protested. They were saying, "Well, look, we we get lots of." Uh, they, they didn't deny it. They they were like, "Well, look, we get lots of uh, press releases from Chris Leslie because he and Chukramuna are in charge of the anti-Brexit campaigns. So obviously, Leslie is trying to you know collect a lot of uh, data." Um, you know, and create the infrastructure for something new, be it within or without labor. And um, 
Yeah, I've read his pamphlet or I skimmed through it. I can't tell you much about it in one eye out the other. I mean, I like honestly like listen listen to any sort of center listen to any centrist politician from the last 10 years and it's just all but put together and put through a Markov chain and then just spit out this pamphlet. Yeah, exactly. It's all the same shit. It's so fucking tedious, exactly. You've you've read it all before, but yeah. there there is there are two extracts within it where he goes to lengths to talk about how it doesn't matter if you if your party members hate you, your constituency party don't have confidence in you, so what? You know you're supposed to speak for the people of the country at large so he's definitely been thinking about how all his constituents hate him and he's going to be imminently deselected <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm still just quietly laughing at the idea of uh, Chris Leslie having a propaganda arm i.e. one arm which is specifically for propaganda <laughs> Yeah, this is the arm I do propaganda with. The other arm, mostly jacking it. <laughs> you speak to Giles Corrin, both arms jacking it. <laughs> Tight Until one of them nose. gets slammed in a door. <laughs> no, now why do all my body pull He holds apart? it at the base and slams the tip in the door while he furiously beats the keyboard with his forehead. <laughs> and that's how you get into it. That's how you get write an article. Why so, must so every Jack, part I gotta ask, me. since we've got you here... Uh, if you had to predict who who is the next victim of the deselection or vote of no confidence express, would you be comfortable making a prediction or is that too uh, close hold of information? Oh, uh, well, I don't have any kind of uh, insider info, unfortunately, on who's about to get deselected. Case the SEC are listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, so I, had, Cooper. I certainly have a wish list. Um, no, I, d- I don't know about Yvette Cooper. I don't think she's... Necessarily hated uh, again. Where's streeting? Yeah, quite normal, isn't she? Yeah, I, I mean, she's, I, not, she's not pro Corbyn, but she's not as mental as like Chris Leslie. She she's not as ostentatious about her, her bad politics as a lot of the other right wing MPs. Oh, speak, speaking of, uh, it's just that, that when you say ostentatious about his politics, Chris Leslie says, "I have never hidden my politics, mm. um, including at the last election, and that's why you're being deselected." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, we can't go into another election, you know, I, we, I say that as a Labour member and supporter, uh, with a parliamentary party who can't bring themselves to say a nice thing about the party's platform and its leadership. It's just, it's not a fucking logical position to go into an election with. Yeah, yeah, these our main representatives. Yeah, they all hate us. No, this is normal. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, they, they hate our policies. They hate our leader. They hate our shadow cabinet they hate our members but no you know but we owe them a job because they were mad at thatcher in the 1980s yeah i mean uh tom watson and former scottish labor leader tom watson deputy labor leader and former La- uh, scottish labor leader kezia dugdale they called in uh to during the election uh to an nec meeting where there was a vote going on nec is labor's ruling body and they were voting on whether to deselect a right-wing mp called john woodcock who had said that he's since deselected himself yes he's now he resigned from the labor party after being suspended for sexual harassment allegations was he he suspended or just was he under investigation he was suspended uh Mm. while while the investigation was going on now he has left and he says he he's going to look for some kind of independent investigation into sexual harassment yeah i'm not sure how that's going but um it's 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 just, it's just him and a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, uh, Tom Watson and Kezia Dugdale called into the this meeting to defend an MP's right to run for Labour after Woodcock had uh, recorded a video message for his constituents saying, "I will not vote in Parliament for a Labour government to be formed." So there's not a kind of logical level here. It is just kind of anything that will mild, mildly inconvenience Corbyn. <laughs> We'll do it. And and, and contribute also to this just sort of 
this this just incredible sort of hard on they all have to just kind of as, as the defenders of rationality against these people who are annoyingly political. Yeah. Um, well, I've got it. I've got it. Chris, Chris Leslie is uh, is is the, the woman in the New York mob in The Sopranos. Who, <laughs> and, and she keeps well, like Johnny she Sack's keep, wife. Keeps, no, 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 no. And she, in, the, in the early what's one her name? Is her name like Diane or something? I can't no, I don't know. It's, it's Lorraine. It's, Lorraine. Lorraine, yeah. yeah. And she keeps kicking up money to Lil Carmine, Blair. <laughs> and, then, and Phil Leotardo is like shooting her through a phone book going, you were told those payments go to Johnny Sack. <laughs> Jeremy Sackbin. <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't think, unfortunately, that Wes Streeting will get deselected. I think he's got a very melt-heavy constituency party. Might be the same for Gapes. I don't know. Ilford just seems to be uh, a very um, melt-heavy <laughs> area. We don't, ha- we don't love Mike Gapes, but what he said about milk that time? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would actually be, be happy if Mike Gapes was the only remaining right-wing Labour MP. Just one, just just to warn the others off. You know, with pr- <laughs> perspective, you know, a b- teenage bowtie dipshits looking up, oh, do I want to become a Labour MP? They just see this is what... Um, if you want to become a Labour MP like, like Mike Gapes, you're going to need to eat a lot more treats. See, Mike <laughs> Gapes holding open his anus into the camera on BBC Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Mike gave the goatsy policy. <laughs> yeah. But just a warning, you know, this is what a moderate MP looks like. Go down this road and you will turn into Mike Gabes. Um, so I'll just, I'll close out the article here. Uh, that the one message I have is not to Nottingham momentum. It is to my constituents, whether Labour members or not. I am proud to serve you and I promise that no amount of deselection threats or political expediency will deter me from acting in what I believe are the best interests of you all. Wait, I here's Giles Warren. <laughs> He's like, let me just do things for you. Can I just have that? Can I just serve you? Can I open a door for you? Can you slam my dick in this door? <laughs> That's so much to ask. That's put a fantastic button on this episode and uh, we've gone pretty long so I think it's probably going to be time to end it here. Awesome. Um, just so, end it, just please end it. Uh, Jack, thank you very much for coming around. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been very fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and this is a premium episode, so you've already subscribed to the Patreon. This As you can tell from the quality of the it. The nature of the hard left. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the, the, the podcast Wait, Patreon. They're socialists, but they're making money. <laughs> Damn. Damn. And if you own a Subaru in the West Country, get in touch. <laughs> Um, yeah, so as always, uh, you know, if you're if you're cooking up socialism, it's the socialism of fools if it's not made with Remy products. Um, if uh, oh, fools socialism, I like, like socialism. Also, if you want to clothe your nakedness, you can uh, you can de- commodify your descent with a T-shirt from Lil Comrade. And finally, thanks as ever to Ginseng for our theme song. Here we go, which you can find on Spotify. And if you haven't yet, you should. It's the only song I listen to. Yeah, the only the o- song. It's the only mm. song. The others yeah. are gone now. <laughs> that, that and the Who Are the Hard Left remix. That's the- <laughs> <laughs> Later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.